When you think about creating a competitive advantage, you think about your product features or your distribution strategy or even your sales strategy, what you need to start thinking about is what are you giving away for free? Today, we talk to a manufacturer who is building what I think is a digital moat around their business through free education, insights, and community. It's a major trust builder with customers and prospects. You can argue your features and benefits in comparison to your competitors all day long, but trust speaks for itself, and people buy from people they trust. What they're doing is something every manufacturer in the industry should be paying attention to. And if you stay till the end, she shares pitfalls to avoid and steps to take in order to see success today. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Popniklov. And today we're giving you some sales tactics, some ideas, some things that we see that are working, and more specifically, a manufacturer that has some really great insight about how to sell virtually, how you can get your product in front of the right audience. It's going to be an awesome show. We are really excited to welcome Marcy Tyler. She is the Director of Building Science for Tremco CPG, and she is basically a webinar and virtual sales expert. She does an incredible job positioning Tremco as an expert guide, giving great insight into their products, and has been hosting webinars weekly for quite some time on a regular basis. So we're excited to hear what she has to share with our listeners. Marcy, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I'm so excited to be here. So we have tons of questions, but before we dig in, why don't you just spend a couple minutes and introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So I'm so appreciative of this opportunity. So um, as Beth mentioned, I'm the Director of Building Science for Tremco. So a lot of people are like, what does that mean? I like to position it as a way that I've always wanted to connect with our customers. And so that's just it. It's, it's how do we engage with our customers and kind of connect them back to our systems and what that means uh, related to performance. I feel like I'm like holding the hand of the customer and holding the hand of our sales rep because connecting the two is a lot of that. I mean, I engage with these people every single day. And then when they need some additional guidance or, or education, they'll reach out to me. So that's kind of the, the gist of it. Um, at Tremco, we have a variety of different systems and services for the entire building enclosure. So really, what we want is that opportunity to collaborate as much as possible with all of our customers. And obviously, with COVID, virtual has come about and been a big deal. I know it's not new. You know, it's not new to us, but it's certainly new to people in terms of how they have to embrace it because of our situation. We've definitely embraced it here at Tremco. I think there's many ways that we can talk about today of how you can make sure it's interactive. And as Beth mentioned, I've been doing it every week since May of 2020. So every Friday, we've been doing this type of thing. So I can give everyone some pointers. I can tell you the do's and don'ts, I guess, of, of webinars as well. Yeah. What I'm really curious about was, was it COVID that prompted this, like the desire to get in front of people? Or were you talking about this before COVID and you just kind of leaned into it because that's what changed the market? Well, what's interesting is before COVID, I would be in different cities like every week, you know, or every other week. And I would go out and work with our customers, go to different events. I did very little virtual engagements. It was more internal training, maybe, where I would record myself giving a presentation and give it to the sales rep just so he knew kind of what the content was all about. But we used to do events in Cleveland at our facility, at our test facility, actually. We'd have, you know, anywhere between two customers to 35 customers come through our facility almost every week. 
And when COVID hit, we're like, wow, we're not going to have the interaction with our customers anymore. So what can we do instead? A couple of us sat down and, and I was like, well, what if we did a broadcast with that same kind of format, you know, of just trying to connect with our customers? So we love it when we can bring a customer on and they can tell their story, or we bring one of our sales reps or one of our colleagues on to tell their story. So I guess we embrace the virtual aspect because of COVID, but we've always been engaging and working with our customers as much as possible, just not in that virtual setting prior to. So we know pretty well that doing webinars looks really easy, like how hard could it be? You're just talking about all the things that you already know, but there's a lot of lift that goes in the background before you get to the actual broadcast. Can you tell us a bit about what that ramp up process looked like for you for the very first one? Yeah. So we try to figure out like what was our goal, right? Like, so that, I think that's important, right? Like what, what is your goal of this broadcast? Who's your audience and how do you connect? And that was really critical for me, right? And I'm sure it's critical for everybody. I would change the presentation up to a minute before if I felt like there was something crucial in it that needed to be updated so I could connect appropriately with that audience. You want to use everyone's time wisely. I, I never want someone to walk away going, oh, I didn't learn anything from that or that was terrible. When I give like surveys, I'll be like, you know, honestly, like, what, what do you feel? And I'll hold on to that one comment or that, you know, a couple comments if there wasn't something right about it because this is your opportunity to engage with that person. You want to make sure that you're connecting where they are at, you know, solving their why versus my why. Yeah, I, I love that because a lot of people, they don't want to hear like what they're doing wrong. Like no one really wants to know like, hey, will you please give me like really harsh criticism? But you're saying, <laughs> no, I know I've got to make this really, really valuable. And that begs the question for me, like, what are you doing to measure ROI? Like, are you all just saying, hey, we know we're looking at attendees or we think that this is smart. Talk me through how your team is evaluating that this is a smart investment in terms of your time and resources. First of all, we really try to fine tune the resource part of it. Like I put the content together, you know, we do a rotating basis as to who's like involved in terms of being in the room with me or, or helping out from a recording perspective. So we really try to make sure that that's doable, right? Because this is almost like a bonus job, right? It's not, hey, you know, someone's going to do a broadcast every week. Let's just add that to your plate. Those are two things that we want to be super respectful. But I think the, the biggest thing that came out of it was just the need for people to engage no matter what it is. So I think our biggest goal is to make it kind of light. We call it like wind down your week with us. Kind of light, educational. If something funny goes on, we keep it in. You know, if, if there's a blooper, it's going to stay. We want it to feel as real as possible. So it is like you and I sitting having a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and just talking because that's what we are missing when we aren't engaging with people. It's that intimate connection or even that real connection that you get from sitting across from somebody. So it's really hard to do. And I don't know how well we're achieving it, but we're trying. And are you only providing this to existing customers or do you find people who are potential customers might jump on or you're targeting them in some capacity? Because to me, I look at that and I'm like, okay, you could view this as a client or customer retention strategy, but you could also leverage and go, like if I'm a potential customer or someone who's considering Trimco in some capacity, there's no better outlet for me as a person to look at go, okay, like, well, what are pe other people in the industry who are like me? Do they like the product? Do they like the service? Do they like the people? And it kind of peels back the curtain a bit there for, for individuals to see that. I'm not trying to encourage you to do that if you're not, but I'm just curious, like, are, are you seeing this as a sales generator as well as or mostly about customer retention? I think there's a couple of things there. So one thing we've really learned from this is and it works really well internally. So 
if we aren't engaging with our internal colleagues as much as we used to, this is helping solidify that too. At Tremco, we are combining all these different brands together, drive it, Nadura will seal with our existing brands. And we don't have that same kind of regional meetings regularly, or we aren't going to meet up at trade shows. This kind of provided that connection point too. So, so many times afterwards, you get a new guy or even a seasoned rep going, Marcy, that was great. I didn't know that. Or that was hysterical. Or can you send me those slides? That'll be helpful to me. So to me, that's my most amazing ROI. I'm kind of energizing my own colleagues. The next step is pumping up our customers. So if there's a customer out there that had a really tough challenge on a project and he learned a lot and he wants the ability to showcase his project, let's give him that ability to do that. So we'll rise up that customer into, into that setting. Or maybe it's a brand new customer and they're like, eh, I don't know about these Tremco people. What I'm hoping to do is provide a little bit of insight that you know we are your partner. We're going to be there from the beginning all the way to the end. And hopefully we can have a little bit of fun along the way. And that's what we're hoping we're providing. You know, No one wants to sit there and be bored either. So we're hoping to provide a little bit of energy, a little bit of excitement throughout the workday as well. It's really interesting that you mentioned you're keeping the bloopers in. You're doing an unpolished show and with intention, not due to lack of resources. And I'm interested, you mentioned, you know, like you could give the do's and don'ts. I'd love to hear what your, you know, what's your top list for do's and don'ts for manufacturers looking to potentially do more of these types of either webinar or kind of virtual events? Well, especially when you're going live, always have a backup plan. Always have a set of slides ready or a topic ready that you can go to just in case that that customer can't log in or the power goes out or, you know, the dog's barking. Always kind of have your plan B, but also be able to just kind of laugh about it too. When it's a live setting, you know, there's there's not so much you can do when, when something like that happens. So kind of embrace it and be flexible. I, we, we've had to be super flexible with our content at times and just kind of change gears with eight minutes to spare before going live. But like I said, you know, embrace it. Try to have fun with it. We never do that. I, she, I wasn't going to call you out, Zach. I wasn't. We never do that. You will change PowerPoints up until the minute before. And I'm like making dagger <laughs> eyes at Zach. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. It's, it's not for everybody. I know that. And that's I think that's what I've had to learn. Where There's understanding your customer, too. Like, that's going to be on the broadcast. You know, are they okay with that kind of setting? Do they need a little bit more planning? Do they need a couple practice? or just getting on the platform ahead of time. So making sure that they're comfortable is important. And it's it's interesting because I had a guy that was super nervous about it and he loved it. He was like, can I do it again? So make it as easy uh, for whoever it is that's participating, I think is the key part, you know. Are there any don'ts, anything that you've done, if you're comfortable sharing, that you're like, well, we're never doing that again? I'm a master at the spin. So I, I will find the silver lining. So... I will figure out a way to pull it back up again and breathe life back into it. I did have a guy once calling in from his car while he was driving. And I was like, okay, no, no. You, you, you. Yeah, that's a don't. I, that is that's a, don't. a good don't. Yeah. No guests in their car. No, no, no moving vehicles. I want to ask you logistically really quick. How do you decide what you're going to talk about and then talk to me about how you promote and get people on to actually be a part of listening. Because like, those are two really important things, like deciding the topic and how do you actually make people show up? Because you have a great topic, but no, nobody show up. Like, How are you doing this logistically on your team? 
I think it was easier to get people engaged earlier, maybe when we were more, you know, at home, right? So I think what we end up seeing now is the live participation kind of varies. We've had suggestions, you know, why Friday at three o'clock? Why not at eight o'clock? Why not on Thursday night? You you can try to move it to wherever it's going to work, but there's going to be someone who probably has a conflict. So from accessibility perspective, we always then put it onto YouTube. So that's part of it. The topics themselves, I'm always looking at like LinkedIn mm. or I'm looking at what presentations are being given. You're like, what are the buzzwords? What are the challenges that people are facing? And, and that's what I'm trying to do is try to figure out what those hot topics are to get people of interest. And, and really getting the customer to come on speaks so much more than anything I could ever say because then they're speaking from their personal experience on, you know, oh my gosh, this was such a difficult challenge. Like we had this one um, glazing contractor in DC that did all this restoration work and he had to figure out how to build his scaffolding so that it could move appropriately across this huge skylight area at the airport. But yet he was at the airport with high security, you know, like them just telling their story, I think is so interesting. And it's almost like, you know, people that like to see how things are made. It's, it's almost like that, right? It's that individual telling their story. And these guys all have amazing stories. You know, one guy from Florida, his scenery of all his projects are beautiful. Like you can see the ocean in the background and his projects um, end up being like masterpieces. And to hear it directly come from them, I think it's inspiring. Have there been any results from all of this effort? Because you've been doing it every Friday for about a year and a half. That's a significant time investment. Any results that have surprised you? I, I think it, it ebbs and flows in terms of attendance per se, but I think what it does is it gets us out there. So I went to two shows recently and the amount of people that came up to me like, oh, you know, I watched your Trump Go Live, you know, this program. And, and I was like, I was kind of shocked because you don't know who's seeing it. You know, if it's on YouTube, you only get a number. You don't know who it actually is. And I, I think that's what's kind of interesting. And I am truly dedicated to, to educating the industry at, at every level. One of my colleagues is starting a program for high school students. So those are the things that I think inspire me. I remember in college, I would go to um, different grade schools and we would show them different chemical experiments and they were so excited about it. And that's truly what we're trying to get even from this is just a light, easy way to wind down the week and, and give somebody that little bit of education they didn't know about or an idea or, or some way, once again, to educate the industry on doing things the right way. Very passionate about that. Do you have a favorite show? Like a, you've been doing this almost two years which one is still to you most? Am I allowed to ask you that? I do it with the president of our company, Paul Hoogenboom, and he always says, one of my favorites. He'll always say, it's one of my favorites. Honestly, I think my favorite show was when I had two of my colleagues on in the industry. It was Keith Nelson and Keith Simon. So they're two consultants. And we talked about meal sealability. And so anyone outside of building science arena would be like, what are they talking about? It was the longest program we had, but it was so much fun to do because there's just so much about this test that people don't understand. And we had a lot of fun, I think, talking about it and, and, and bringing it to life. And, and that's honestly, for years, when a new person would start, they'd come and ask me a question. They'd come and ask me a question. They're like, where is that information? I go, right here. I go, unfortunately, <laughs> it's right here. It's, it's experience, right? And I think that's what I'm dedicated to, you know, sharing what I've experienced and also bringing about other people's experiences to life. But having the two keys on was was my favorite. That's great. So what's next for you? Like you've been doing this a little while. How are you going to take your 
webinar to the next level. No pressure. You know, what I'm trying to do, I, I was just visiting my daughter in London and the chaos that is London, like when you're going from place to place to place, that's what I want to be able to do. I kind of want to take this Tremco Live on the road more. Like I want there to be chaos, either pre-recorded or something going on around me while I'm sharing that information. So it's a little more, I want to put a little more energy into it. So I think February, March, April, we're going to start doing some um, segments in other cities. So we're going to take Tremco Live on the road. Fun. That's a great idea. Yeah. You know, like I said, we might pre-record some segments and then it'll be Paul and I live. And we're also working on a studio, which I'm so thrilled about. I don't know how soon that'll be done. We're just sitting in an executive conference room with like, you know, a banner behind us. And so we're working on some sports center looking and a whole educational building actually for training. You should tell your coworkers that you need to take the roadshow to like Tuscany. Guys, you know, Tuscany's an emerging market. We need to do a tour through through Tuscany all the way down the coast. It's going to be big. Absolutely. A lot of potential I think there. That's, I think that's a great suggestion. Marcy, this has been awesome. If someone wants to connect with you and reach out, what's the best way for them to do that? It would be through um, my email, which is mtyler at tremcoinc.com. We're always looking for people to come on Tremco Live or even tour our facility in person where we do a lot of this type of testing. A lot of our, our Tremco Live kind of is based on performance and based on system testing. And we tend to loop it back to our um, building science laboratory where we do a lot of this assembly testing. We have a new piece of equipment there that is an environmental chamber that we're really excited about being able to utilize. And once again, it's, it's taking a big piece of your structure and evaluating it for performance as built. So a lot of tests that we see are, there's a lot of assumptions being made in, in those test methods. So we want to kind of bring those assumptions to life and, and make sure that people can see what are those points of concerns that they should be addressing when, they, when they're doing testing as well as just building those buildings that we all live in each and every day. That's great. We'll make sure we link to your email in the show notes too, Marcy. And for our listeners, if you enjoyed this content, make sure you go to venvio.com slash podcast to subscribe. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Poptikolov. Thanks, everybody.